Hi, my name is Eric. Hi, my name is Kevin. And we're two friends and children of the King who love to debate, discuss, and enjoy thinking about theology, church life, politics, history, and good literature and movies. We will discuss various topics from a ministry and lay perspective as lovers of the Church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for I Love slash hate when you are right all right well that was our first episode where we tried out our fun little experiment in favorite moments in history you did a great a, job oh well thank you yeah. oh by the way one detail i forgot to mention plutarch was the roman historian who wrote the most about marius and sola he wrote a series of books called parallel lives in which he parallels lives of Greeks and Romans, and he devotes a ton of time to Marius and Sola. So that was really helpful because, I, I, like I was telling you, I, I know a lot of those wars, I know those names, but I didn't know anything about those names. Mm-hmm. So that was just really, really cool to put that together. So and again, you. it's those moments in history when you read the story and you're just like, this would never work in fiction because it's too outrageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But enough about me. It's your turn, my dear friend. All right, so, um, all right, I'm going to give you a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and you get to get going, all right? Okay. 4, 3, 2, 1, go. All right, so I'm going to go American history. All you right. Roman history, I'm going to go American history. Um, and I'm going to title it, The Time Washington Cried. One time? Two times. Two times. Actually, the only two times we know that Washington cried in. And we know that he lost his um, granddaughter, Nellie, who he deeply loved. She died on the steps, the second floor steps of Mount Vernon. So I would assume that he would have wept at that point. But we actually only have two recorded times of Washington crying. And they're both times he was betrayed, actually. <clears throat> and one of them, I think our listeners would know pretty pretty, um, pretty well, the, the time of Benedict Arnold. Mm-hmm. But they maybe don't know much about that. They just know that, you know, an American, you, every little kid goes, don't be a Benedict Arnold. Yeah, Which Benedict means Arnold, be a bad guy. That's right. He's a traitor. But maybe we don't know why he got to that point. We don't know how it happened. We don't know how Washington found out about and Washington's reaction. Even the words he muttered, we do have recorded by Alexander Hamilton. And then the second time, we want to talk about um, one of the most famous people in American history betraying George Washington. So I'll start with Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold uh, was a beloved general in the American Revolution. He was seen by Washington as, quote, his fighting general. At the time, a lot of the the generals were political appointments. Primarily, they were noble, Mm -hmm. noble men in America uh, from the British ranks at one point. Warfare at this time in American history in the 1700s in the world history, uh, at least between two civilized armies, was seen as a gentleman's game. Hmm. Now, the people fighting weren't necessarily gentlemen. But <laughs> I wouldn't the, think so. But the, the generals themselves had certain rules, certain ways of uh, decorum. And, and Benedict Arnold was not that, necessarily. That probably led to a lot of his problems. We first see him come to um, favorability amongst Washington, at least, with his siege of Quebec where he's the hero there, he sustains a massive wound in now, his leg. Quebec, is that the Seven Years' War or the Revolutionary War? Revolutionary War. There's okay, also a time at that where he does that. Also, Fort Ticonderoga, where Henry Knox led that to capture Fort Ticonderoga from the British. Uh, Arnold was also part of that. But really where Arnold gets uh, his fame is during the Battle of Saratoga, which was a massive victory that the Americans needed. Now, 
You might have heard growing up in your fifth grade class or eighth grade class or your junior class in high school that the hero of Saratoga was a guy named Gates, mm-hmm. who was the general of the American Army. But that is that was all publicity. That was all marketing. That was to save face for Gates. In fact, Gates was a coward. And everybody really? knew it. Yeah, he never even made it out of his tent. <laughs> he ne- he was so scared to death that he never made it out of his tent during that battle. Uh, the Americans were being folded. Um, it was a strategic, um, massive strategic de- uh, defeat that was coming to the American army. Where Bennett Arnold's incensed. He goes down there and is yelling at Gates to get out of his tent. He finally gets on his own horse and starts riding towards the, the British. And he so inspires the American forces behind him that they win the battle. And, and so, frankly, Benedict Arnold is the hero of Saratoga. And correct me if I'm wrong, now I'm going to cede 30 seconds to you, to be fair. Yeah. Um, this is the battle that essentially convinces France and Spain that, hey, backing America might be a viable option, which Absolutely. you could argue was actually the thing that caused America's victory to yep. be inevitable. It stopped It stopped the three British armies that were coming from the north to basically cut off New England. And Saratoga stopped that. And then, therefore... Because they're able to stop that, then it did allow, especially France, to be able to side with us, seeing that they might have a chance. It won't just be throwing money after nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really turned the war on its heels. Now, the the newspapers, believe it or not, the newspapers didn't get it right back then either. They, Wait, what? They dubbed they dubbed <laughs> Gates the hero of Saratoga. Benedict Arnold wrote a private letter to Washington saying, "You know, that's not true." You know that I'm the hero of Saratoga. And Washington seceded that. He said, I know you are. I know you're the one that won the battle. I cannot, though, publicly come out and like call Gates a coward. So I'm going to, you know that I know this. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to make you in charge of lots of different things. The, the other part, though, was that the Congress, the Continental Congress, refused to give Benedict a promotion because huh. they didn't see him as the hero. So then he was slighted again. And then he started to notice men under him were being promoted over him. At least five that we know of. Five. 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 Who were underneath Benedict Arnold. Not as competent in war. They were junior to him in every way. They were promoted over Arnold. Again, you asked me earlier why. Again, I I don't think he fit the the stereotype of what they wanted in commanders at the time. Hmm. So that was just a slight. Washington felt that. Washington noticed that. Washington was horrified by it. We do know that he spent a lot of time with uh, Arnold trying to soothe over these wounds. There's some debate amongst historians, too, that if Washington, though, at this point, brought him his own own command, it might have stopped him from turning. Hmm. But he continued to let him kind of be in the place that he needed to be to win battles for the American Revolution but maybe sacrificed him um, as far as being a traitor. And I don't think Washington knew that he'd go that far, mm-hmm. but I think uh, he knew that there were some major issues. Another thing happens at the Battle of Saratoga, he gets wounded again. Uh, so he's taking physical. He was actually out for four months after that. His same leg, he got wounded in Quebec. Oh, so he's suffering physically. Um, we see Washington run a letter, you know, thanking him for his stuff, thanking him for his, his work. Bennett Arnold didn't write him back for months. So that was kind of a first warning sign. Like, hmm. he's starting to become angry. Um, yeah, seething. Seething, seething. Yeah, the the anger was probably justified, but he let it sit. He let it sit. That's a good lesson for us, even as believers, mm-hmm. with bitterness. Um, you might be justified. You might be right, actually. And most historians, even Washington, would have said he was right, that Benedict Arnold was right. 
So that's very interesting. Like Benedict Arnold gets seen as this horrible figure. Um, and he, and at the end of his life, he is, let's be mm. honest. But at this point, most historians, including Washington at the time, his contemporary, his general, his leader would say that he was getting hosed, um, to use our modern vernacular. Right. He also, um, gets put in uh, charge of Philadelphia, the military defenses of Philadelphia by Washington and the leader, a guy named Reed, who was like a political leader of Philadelphia at the time, hated, hated Arnold and wrote him up for 11 counts of being court-martialed. For various things, and and we know two of them were accurate. And Arnold actually admitted to it. He had commandeered a uh, a wagon to move his own personal belongings and a ship that he owned to be able to move stuff. And so, actually, Ben and Arnold paid restitution monetarily for those things. But everything else is all fake. Hmm. And and this is where we think it, it started to go really wrong. Benedict Arnold, um, you know, he got called out. Washington was working behind the scenes deeply to make this stop. He's like, I'm not going to court-martial this guy. So these are fake offenses, except for the two, and he'll pay those back. But then when the two came down, the two offenses that he was found guilty for, uh, Washington did give him a paper slap on the on the wrist. A paper. Nothing really happened. Hmm. But we do probably believe, and the historians of Ben and Arnold, some, some really good ones say, that might have turned him against Washington. It's like, now you of all people. Now you of all people. And Washington's like, what can I do at this point? Like, Benedict. So he's like, listen, Benedict, I'll give you anything. I understand you've been totally, I mean, I'll put you in charge of other armies. And he says, I want to be in charge of West Point. Now, because partly because of his leg was so jacked up from his wounds. So the most strategic military fort we had was West Point. You know, looking over the river. Yep. Um, and so they, that was a high honor that Washington gave yep. him. At the same time, Benedict had lost his wife in 1775. She died young. He then marries a woman four years later. We're now about 1779, 1780, mm-hmm. uh, about 20 years his younger. Very beautiful woman. She was neutral. She wasn't a loyalist. She wasn't a patriot. Everything we could tell that she was neutral. But she was close to some of the British officers, one of them who she dated uh, before she married Wash, uh, uh, before she married Arnold, a guy named John Andre, hmm. that was a former boyfriend of hers. Now remember that name. Okay, John Andre. John Andre. His name. He was a major in the British Army. Uh, she goes to her husband and says, "Listen, like, there's there's a, not a lot of conjecture. There's not a lot of things we know. Why did Benedict actually decide to betray his country? How does he do it? We're not totally sure." Uh, was it for financial reasons? He's starting to rack up substantial debts. By all accounts, his wife did spend a lot of money. Um, he also felt very slighted, and, and honestly, we understand that, why he was. Um, we don't know what happened, but we do know a meeting was set up between him and John Andre. Andre, there you to go. To be able to give West Point over to the British. And so what he starts to do is he starts to be in communication with them. He starts to let the fort walls crumble. He starts to not put the men at their post properly. We know that starts to happen at West Point. Washington doesn't know this. Washington uh, decides that he wants to go inspect West Point and visit with his best general. Mm-hmm. In his mind, that was his best general. Okay, he he sends word ahead of him that I'm coming to inspect West Point and be with you. Benedict Arnold is knee deep in this betrayal, oh. and he thinks he knows. He, Washington had no idea, but Benedict Arnold thinks he knows. And he tells his wife, 
I need to get out of here. And so as Washington is riding to get to West Point, Benedict is getting out, trying to cross British lines to meet with John Andre. He, he gets, pulled the trigger too he soon. He pulled the trigger too soon. Washington had no idea. Washington rides up to West Point and he notices that the walls are crumbling, that men aren't stationed properly. And he's like, what in the world? Now, with Washington's Alexander and Hamilton, this is how we know it happened. Hamilton records this. You can find a lot of this in Ron Cherno's book, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. He shows up. He he sees his wife, and he's like, "Where where where's Benedict? Like, what's happening here? This is this is unlike him. He's mm-hmm. a tremendous general. Why are the walls crumbling? Why are the troops?" She thinks he's onto him too. So oh. she acts like she's insane. She starts screaming, crying. She's taken her hair and made it a matted mess. She keeps like flying on the bed, like. Don't kill me. I told him no. And Washington is like, what are you what? talking oh about? Oh, my goodness. She knew the whole thing. Uh-huh. But she acted like she learned it that day. And she's trying to save her own life because... Oh, my Because gosh. her husband's gone on. Alexander Hamilton said that Washington was so floored. This is what he uttered. If I can't trust Benedict, I can't trust anyone. That was his words. And he cried. He cried. Wow. He was so blown by the away. Way, eight minutes. Thank you. He was so blown away by this. Um, he, he didn't know what to do. Um, they find Andre. Uh, Andre is captured by the American forces. He wants to be executed by gun because mm-hmm. he was an officer. And Washington said, no, you're a traitor. He hung him. We never captured Benedict Arnold. His wife did escape to him. He did a few battles, American Revolution, two battles, and he fled to England where nobody wanted to be with him. Yeah, shocker, right? So that was one time that Washington cried. The second time, since I have eight minutes, I'll move on. Since I have eight minutes, um, how do I want to tell the second story? Washington eventually wins the war. We know that from American history. He goes back to the farm. He doesn't really want to. He goes back to Mount Vernon. Doesn't really want to be part of the war anymore. They set up the Confederation. They set up the Confederation. Confederation is failing. We have 12 presidents and like a succession of years, nothing could hold together. Basically they bring Washington back. He becomes president of the United States of the constitution Republic. Right. Mm-hmm. So the United States is before the constitution. He goes up to New York. He assembles a, a crew of the founding fathers. You'll know many of them, John Adams, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton and others. And they have cabinet meetings. Mm-hmm. And, um, these men were all very different. Uh, some rivalries between Hamilton and Jefferson. And, and Adams and Hamilton were kind of on the same team. And Jefferson and Madison were kind of on the same team. But Washington was kind of seen as the great unifier and, and the person that people couldn't speak out against. At this time, though, he's older. He's losing his hearing. He's starting to fall asleep uh, quite a bit. And he's noticing, Washington is, he's noticing the local press in New York that uh, anonymous letters written by a, quote, correspondent from Virginia, end quote, is starting to, like, talk disparaging things against Washington about mm. him being older and not being able to be up to the task. So and this, lo- is, this is not tabloid journalism. Like, no. you know, can't see what's going on with Washington. This is like insider information getting it, published. It seems like it. But mm-hmm. it's a correspondent from Virginia. Nobody knows who it is. And the his his cabinet is like, shut this down. But Washington, he actually, we have his we have his Constitution copies in Mount Vernon. He would he was very particular, like what I can do. So he would circle the things I can do. And one of them, you can't shut down the free press, right? So that was written by, codified by the Bill of Rights. So he's like, we can't we can't become dictators here. Mm-hmm. Like let them say what they're going to say. 
but it's it's kind of close to home a little bit. I don't like it, <laughs> but I can't shut him down. He started to notice though that in the newspapers it was getting to the point where in he could narrow it down to six people, the cabinet, because they were starting to say things like in our cabinet meeting the other day or in the meeting the other day he fell asleep, right? And he's like, Who, who's in the room? So he asked Hamilton and Adams to investigate who this was. Yeah. Quick, uh, I'll give you how I'll give you extra time. Thank you. Why did he? Why would he ask Adams and Hamilton? Why it sound that would probably cause him to think it probably wasn't those two. Yeah, Hamilton. He it was like a father figure to Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton was an aide de camp in the American Revolution. He was very close to Hamilton. Okay, and he did trust Adams, who was a Federalist. Okay. Okay. So both on kind of he, he was an American first, and he spoke out against factions, but he was a Federalist ultimately. Okay. And and a- Adams and Hamilton were seen as that, and then Democratic Republicans, which they became called, were the Jefferson and Madison. So right, he he respected them a lot, but he didn't he didn't trust them as much. Got it. So Hamilton and uh, and uh, Hamilton and Adams do trace it down. They figure out it is Jefferson actually. Jefferson. Um, gets called into the cabinet and either sitting down and Washington throws the newspaper over at Jefferson. He goes, why'd you do that? He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, why are you writing these articles about me? He goes, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do that. Watch. I would never do that. And he looks, don't lie to me. And he goes, I've not done that. I don't know what you're talking about. Then he said, they t- he took his hand in a closed fish and slammed it down on the table and said, you have betrayed me. And he got up and he said, everybody was silent. Hamilton recorded this. Everyone's silent. He walked out the double like French doors into the garden outside and he wept outside. Second time he wept. Only time we know he wept. Mm-hmm. So everybody got up from the table. Yep. I guess scattered. the over. And then we know that, you know, Jefferson goes on his own political career. He was secretary of state at the time. He does, it seems like Jefferson seems to try to make amends. We know that after Washington left the presence, he goes back to Mount Vernon. He goes to a study. Jefferson shows up at Mount Vernon, actually. Mm. And and we think, based on the records, that he was there to try to make amends or justify himself. We don't really know why he's there, but he shows up. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what happens next, except for it's recorded by Martha Washington, one of her letters, one of her diary entries that she didn't burn. She burned almost everything else. He shows up in the study, and she says that Jefferson comes in to the study, and all she hears is screaming. Now, Washington... From both of from them? From both of them. Washington not, did not scream. We know of one other time he screamed during a battle in New York where he right. was screaming at his troops. He was actually using foul language. Only other time we know he used foul language. Right. Right? And you could understand at a battle. Yes. Well, but he's, his troops are retreating. Right. Right? But he's screaming at them. As Jefferson leaves, he gets off. He never showed up again. And Washington said, that man will never be allowed on Mount Vernon ever again, and his name will not be uttered on Mount Vernon. <laughs> if you ever want to talk about him, his name is that man. That man. And to the day, you go to Mount Vernon today, and you talk to the reenactors, and if you want to get them all fired up, I dare you, mention Thomas Jefferson's name by name and see their reaction. They will get angry at you, and they'll say, we'll refer to him as that man. And that actually happened to me when I worked there. I, I said that to Martha Washington to see how good she was. And she got ticked. And she said, how dare you? There's children present. And if there were children present, I'd tell you what I think about <laughs> that man. And I was like, holy 
cow. That is a good reenactor. Holy cow. That, <laughs> that was tiny so little detail good. So again, that's the only time we know that Washington was moved to tears by betrayal of mm. people that he considered like right-hand men. Actually, yeah. he really respected them. So those are the two times that Washington cried. Wow, and you have a minute and you have a minute to spare unlike me. I work with junior hires. I got to be quicker. <laughs> Right, you have high school. You're a little bit longer. Yeah, you can go, a little right? bit more yeah, attention yeah, span. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what are some kind of like with the one on Marius and Sola? What are some lessons you think we can learn from the story right here? Yeah, I think the first one, Benedict Arnold. Um, the first one, Benedict Arnold. I think is that um, yeah. The more I read about him, and Mount Vernon did a great uh, discussion on their website. If you ever want to look it up, just type t- Thomas. Uh, type up Benedict Arnold on MountVernon.org. Um, is that in a lot of ways I get why. Benedict Arnold felt the way he did. And and by the way, that's not my opinion. That's how Washington felt. Washington mm. got it. But then the the bitterness right. just seeped into his heart and he wanted to destroy everything he once loved. Yeah. And so that that's just a lesson for us as Christians. Like, yeah, like, yeah, he got messed. It's not okay. And God would deal with all that stuff, right? Yeah. But don't let it settle to a part where you just want to just burn everything you once loved. Right. And that's what happened to Benedict Arnold. He yeah. just burned everything he once loved. I once I once told my students this. Um, <clears throat> I think we were talking about just, I forget how this topic came up, but somehow it was like when we mentioned like, oh, we could understand why a villain did this. And it's like, okay, you can understand, but it was getting to the point of justifying the villain. Yeah. And yeah, one of the things pointed out is the difference between a hero and a villain is heroes and villains in good stories and history often get a raw deal. Yeah. It's not Hero, the full story. Yep. Right. Heroes are the ones who, despite the raw deal, are like, but I'm still going to do the right thing because it's not about me. Yeah. The villains are the one that turn inward and say, I want revenge. Yeah. The interesting thing is, like, it is another lesson for me is one bad decision can destroy your your life. Yeah. You know, another story we'll share in the future is I want to share the story of Robert E. Lee. Oh, how we'll he to decided that. to become the general of the Confederate Army. That's a poignant story. That's a tortured story. Mm-hmm. He was a tortured man on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn, learn a lot about Robert E. Lee. He's incredible. But then he made one of the worst decisions in history. And he led the Confederate Army yeah. to, to, to save slavery, which he didn't even believe in. Yeah, He thought slavery was wrong. So anyways, yeah, I think that's one big lesson. Now, as far as, um, I'm going to wrap this thing up. As far as you want to know more about it, go to mountvernon.org. That's that's the staple website. If you want to learn about Washington, they put such good work out there. And then I would, again, recommend Ron Cherno's Alexander Hamilton or his book called Hamilton. You'll learn a lot of these stories. Thank you again for joining us for I Love Slash Hate When You Are Right. Hope you were edified to keep thinking and more love the church for which Christ died. Now Now to to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Amen. Amen.